0: Jenna Dodge will be back as my guest on Gazuntite with Jacobus this Saturday morning. A certified homeopath, she will continue to educate us about the beauty, the simplicity, the effectiveness, and the fascinating science that is homeopathy. I have learned quite a bit about this throughout my years. However, Jenna Dodge will help us all to appreciate the simplicity and practical use on a daily basis. It's Gazuntite with Jacobus. To Gesundheit with Jacobus health talk radio integrating allopathic and all natural medicine one show at a time
1: here is your host Jacobus Hollowine.
0: Hey, good morning everybody welcome to the show it's nice to be with you as I say this every week and I totally mean it it's uh, it's not just a pleasure it's an honor and I have totally enjoyed these programs I learn so much myself that uh you know I take notes when I can, or you know by just doing the research and listening to the guest, the experts, you always pick up new things and I do hope that you, as you have listened through the show for years, or maybe this is the first time, I hope you pick up something for yourself that may be educational, something you never thought about, something you may want to incorporate in your life or maybe help somebody who is close to you who needs some help. This is a program about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles. And that's what we have discussed for almost 19 years now, every weekend for three hours. Um, Just want to let you know that the show is not designed to diagnose, treat, or cure. The purpose is all education. And we do hope that you learn something from this, but always recommend that you either talk privately to the guests or guest on the program, pick their brain for yourself, set up an appointment, and or that you find better information or good information from a practitioner of your choice. So the pur- purpose of the show has always been the educational part and the entertainment and the information part. We just don't want you to get misguided and say, oh boy, I heard this and this on Gesundheit with Jacobus and now my life is going to change forever. Well, we hope that it will do that sometime, but not that you, when there is an emergency, you better make sure you see the right person. So again, thanks so much for tuning in today. Um, grabbing my notes here. The um, I'm excited to have Jenna Dodge back with me on the show. She was on back in January. And the topic of homeopathy is one that I am fascinated by. That is, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was looking last night on a website and uh, on YouTube, actually, and they're trying to debunk homeopathy. It's very interesting. Uh, These are the science heads that say homeopathy cannot work. So maybe we can get Jenna to explain some of the myth that people say why homeopathy wouldn't work and why actually it does work. I think it is a fascinating time that we're living in with learning so much about energy and about energy medicine. And I know that sounds a little woo-woo to some people, but I tell you what, if you have a smartphone, you explain to me how it works because I can call somebody in the Netherlands and have immediate reception, and there is no cable attached to my phone or their phone. It literally just goes through the ethos, right? There's somehow some satellites, and I don't see any wires, but there is this energy going from one unit to theirs. I can look up something on the internet. I can look live to a program On TV, if that's what it is, you know what I'm talking about. So energy is much better used today for us to understand the the amazing power of homeopathy. And uh, we're going to talk about some very interesting topics. So I want you to get ready and strap in. Uh, Topics include, we want to explain more about what the homeopathy is, but also we want to explain to you, uh, Jenna is going to, not me, uh, Jenna is going to explain what, uh, How? how is it made? Uh, when you talk about dilution and succussion, which we'll get into in a sec, you, when those who, those of you who have taken homeopathic remedies, you sometimes see behind the word, you see like 6C or 30X or 1M or, you know, just certain dilutions. And what does it mean? How do they make it? What does it mean? How do you choose it? We also want to talk about the cell salts you may have heard about cell salts some of you heard about the word bioplasma and so jenna is going to explain that as well Uh, we are in the in the spring season so hay fever and some other auto allergies are going to be discussed as well and if we have some time uh, when do you see a homeopath when do you see a homeopath for critical care and is there also homeopathy for surgery is that something that can be done So, all in all, let me explain to you who Jenna Dodge is. She lives right here in Bozeman. She is a student of homeopathy at Academy of Homeopathy Education, the Academy of Homeopathy Education. She is in her final semester. You must be close right now. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I am close. About one month left.
0: One month left. Oh, mm-hmm. she'd have had you in a month from now.
3: <laughs> I'll come <Okay>.
0: back. <laughs> yeah, to celebrate. Yeah. She is in her final semester of homeopathy school, practicing on the supervision of experienced homeopaths, and will sit for a certification exam later this year. Jenna lives and practices in Bozeman, and via telehealth, quote-unquote, telehealth all over the world. You can find more information when you go to jennadodge.com jennadodge.com you can go on facebook if you like facebook go to uh, facebook.com forward slash homeopathy with jenna and that's eventually going to be your uh, podcast too right you just mentioned homeopathy with jenna and uh you can email her at jenna at jenna good morning to you good morning Nice to have you back. Thank you. Good I thought. There. All right. Yeah. I thought the first interview that we did was very pleasant. I I learned a lot. I've had shows on homeopathy on the on the program long time ago, and uh, the first one was with a German lady, lady Dagmar Ul, and Dagmar was uh, uh, she's really good at what she does. She's a registered nurse. Um, I have an accent, but she had a lot of German in her. And she is where she fell from, and sometimes I didn't understand what she said. So leave, let alone that the the listeners could understand. And and then we had Mike Bayshore, who was great, uh, but he sadly passed away. And then uh, now we have somebody actually with an Montana <laughs> Montana accent. So we're glad to have you, Jenna. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> so, uh, I, homeopathy. Explain a little bit, I I know we did this in the the last show, but this is important for people to understand. What is homeopathy? How did it start? Um, And and maybe I can ask you too that question, part of this conversation is going to be, have you heard about people who say, it's just a bunch of crock? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure you've heard it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so let's let's weave in and out of those topics a little bit. Uh, Tell me, tell us more about homeopathy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So first, I'll tell you what it's not because this is a a big misconception um a lot of people pretty much everybody originally when they hear homeopathy they they think home remedy they think essential oil they ah. think herbal medicine they think um just do it yourself at home and um sadly, that's just because of the name. It sounds kind of like that but yeah, homeo yeah. homeopathy comes from um the greek meaning similar suffering so oh. um that's that's the root of the word and homeopathy is based on the law of similars and what that means is that if there's a substance in nature that can cause a healthy person to display a set of symptoms to become ill um we can take that same substance and use it to to treat a person who is sick with those same symptoms And it will stimulate their body to heal. Okay. So it's the complete opposite of a lot of not everything, but a lot of what is used in allopathic medicine. Um, antibiotics, for example, is an opposite. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, said two thousand plus years ago that there's two ways to heal. There's Mm -hmm. the um the law well, he didn't call it the law of similars, but he said you can heal using opposites were similar. Okay. And he noticed that if you use opposites, you had to use more and more of a substance, um, to get the same results. And of course, back then, he didn't, he wasn't talking about pharmaceuticals. We didn't have that. He just noticed that even with certain substances in nature that might be an antiviral or have antibacterial properties, mm-hmm. um, the same phenomenon happening where more and more of that substance is required. So, in other words, the body wasn't truly
3: healing.
0: I see.
2: So, fast forward to a little over two hundred years ago, and a German physician named Samuel Hahnemann um, was was pretty disillusioned with medicine at the time. You know, they were bloodletting; they were using crude doses of mercury, leeches, leeches, all sorts of things like that. And he just he didn't feel comfortable with what was going on i also
0: think that in that time there was a still a, a lot of experimentation going on uh on on people in prisons and sanatoriums uh mm-hmm. places where the regular folks usually wouldn't go it was almost they they owned you mm-hmm. and they could therefore do with with you experimentations yeah and, and this is something that he witnessed and he said this is inhumane mm-hmm. and something needs to be changed
2: Yes. And in fact, he was the first one to, to, to heal a mentally ill patient. They were treated so terribly. And he, he said, no, they need human connection and love and to be treated as a human being. And throughout time, then he eventually started also treating them with the homeopathic remedies once he had gone through the scientific process of determining what the homeopathic medicines were used for. And. Yeah. So he was actually, he had the aha moment when he would, he spoke anywhere between seven and 11 languages is, um, is what is recorded. Yeah. And so he used to translate medical texts when he quit being a physician, um, because he was not happy with what was going on. He started translating medical texts and he was translating, um, some information about Peruvian bark, um, um. Cinchona, which was used to treat malaria and the explanation about why it treated malaria didn't click with him it didn't make mm-hmm. sense um, the explanation was that it was a bitter substance and therefore could treat malaria intermittent mm-hmm. fever and mm-hmm. he says that doesn't make sense there's lots of other substances that have similar astringent properties they don't treat malaria so he took it upon himself to to do a test because he also was translating about um, the book about the Materia Medica, about what happens when you take too much Peruvian bark, what symptoms do you get? Okay. And he noticed that those looked a lot like malaria. Malaria. Yeah. So he took it upon himself to take Finchona Uh and uh, in crude dose for a few days, and he recorded his symptoms. And, of course, he got symptoms similar to malaria. Um, and some additional symptoms. And he also noticed that a short time after taking the medicine, his symptoms went away. So in his body, he had stimulated an artificial disease state, essentially, that was temporary compared to, um, you know, someone who actually had uh, an acute illness or a chronic illness. Yeah. And that was really where it began. Mm-hmm. He started at that point testing more and more substances. To see what symptoms they were capable of producing mm-hmm. in a healthy person, and he started with himself and his immediate family, yeah, um even probably some of his kids, which of course we wouldn't we don't do today <laughs> <laughs> and he called these um proofings, and it was a German word that really translates to test or experiment um and now we call them provings uh, it was more of a a a literal maybe translation (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and, and he really did invent the clinical trial at that time like you said there was a lot of experimentation but it was a lot of not organized experimentation it was and they were experimenting on sick people whereas he says no in order to understand what these medicines are used for we need to test them with a proofing on healthy people to see what symptoms." you know how does this medicine derange the healthy individual correct um and then when you have a a patient that has these symptoms a set of symptoms that is a derangement from their normal healthy state you're able to match them mm-hmm. to a homeopathic remedy
0: so one of the points that people debunk is the fact that um Samuel Hahnemann would experience, experiment on himself. And so they said, well, that is very subjective. Uh, So how can you call that proof? The, 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 The other thing he would do is work with really small groups. So they said, well, that's not really a clinical test. And somehow we accept all this as being the truth. I have to say that when I look at the book we have at the store and I'm sure you have several of them on homeopathy, especially the Materia Medica on homeopathy, and look at each individual um remedy that is available today and what it can do for example for the mind, for the heart, for the stomach, for the rectum, for the skin, for the extremities, for the mood, for the eyes. They have just, they're describing it that looks totally like observation about what happened to the individual when we give them these remedies. To me, the work that has gone into that is so fascinating and so still up to date because the book that we have is the one from Dr. Boricke and back in 1927, we're talking 90 years ago, and somehow this book describes what a homeopath is looking for and therefore how they can um, suggest a certain remedy for a certain ailment. And we can go into this because it is, it is truly fascinating how this works. But to say that there is not enough proof, then you say just read one page out of this 1,200-page book one page and be inspired because you can only know this if you have seen these changes happening in a person when they take a remedy plus i know that they have done this to more people that's why they have more symptoms being described in a in a certain group in that book and i i feel that they also debunked the whole idea that he did the peruvian bark the cinchona um that they said, you know, well, that was ridiculous and whatever it is. I I think that, and you have heard some, some of this debunking stuff as well. Why do you think that what over the last 200 years has taken place and which is practiced a lot in India, believe it or not, uh, Germany, okay, United States growing, Uh, South America, the interesting thing is that all the remedies are mentioned in the Latin name, so you can go anywhere in the world and pick up a remedy, just say what you want, and they have it. In India, it's used a lot. India has done phenomenal research on their material. It's just not FDA approved, but they are working with it, and many people are into herbology, into Ayurveda, into homeopathy. In that aspect, people in India are very much using the natural remedies for their own self healing
3: mm-hmm. so
2: yeah, and it's so it's interesting what you say too about the subjective symptoms, so first of all, a lot of the old provings have been repeated okay. at least once, if not multiple times, and we are still getting the same symptoms um, However, yeah, you're right, if you take twenty people and you do a proving. There is going to be, there are going to be differences
0: and similarities
2: and definitely similarities and um, those differences is are actually really important because it shows us and the subject subjective nature of some of the symptoms are very important because that is one way that we can distinguish between remedies if someone comes in and they say I have a headache and it feels like my head is going to
3: explode yeah.
2: That is important, and that can point to a subset of remedies. Versus, if they say, "I have a headache, and it feels like my head is in a vice that's just being squeezed," mm-hmm. totally different subset of remedies. Mm-hmm. So, those those subjective uh, feelings are actually really important. And again, the provings have been verified and reverified over time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, uh, and then, as far as the small number of people. Yeah, we wish there was more people in the provings. Um, but throughout them being repeated over time, we're seeing that it doesn't really matter. You know, if we have twenty six people is the magic number who have a very, very solid number of people that gives us a good, um, viable proving. How many people? Twenty six.
0: Twenty six. Mm-hmm.
2: And then lastly, um, over time, the remedies and the symptoms that the remedies Are able to heal, Um, and also, of course, then the symptoms that the remedies are able to create have been um, clinically verified. So that means if there have been enough people whose um, headaches have been healed by using a certain remedy, that is going to go into our literature, and that symptom is going to be marked such that it's a stronger symptom, meaning we really know that this particular type of headache can be cured by this remedy
0: yes yes
2: so clinical verification and um, you know Samuel Hahnemann started in 1750 so yeah. 229 years
0: yes it is yeah.
2: <laughs> and and we still have access to all the original texts um, and now we have the addition of the modern um, you know computers yeah and whatnot that are able to just make it that much easier to keep track of all this information mm. um yeah. So, and it's interesting you mentioned South America. Homeopathy is huge in Brazil.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it is also, mm-hmm. and uh, everywhere, you know, it, and it is big over here too. It is just uh, at the powers that be realize that this is a that can be very successful if you know what you're doing, and you know what you're doing, and you're still learning too because every individual is different, right? Body and mind, mm-hmm. and I think therefore that um, having that available it's it's going to be it's going to be growing and we're going to have more and more success but anyways we got to take a break we're going to be right back stay tuned and jenna dodge is my guest this morning she is a certified homeopath i appreciate she is with me in the studio good morning jenna good morning Just at the end of the last half hour, you started talking about the science that scientific research is being done, has been done on this, not just in this country, but also in other countries. And to me, that's still very valuable. If you go to India and you look at uh, certain companies that we deal with, like Himalaya, sounds like Himalaya, but Himalaya. Uh, 70 years of clinical work. They've just experimented with it and written down what they have discovered. So very, very, very good if they come up with products that work. Uh, Not approved officially by the FDA, but if the Commission E in Germany or in Europe approves it and you have a company, you have the, the, the government in India approving homeopathy and certain herbs, then why not accept it over here that, hey, it probably works. So what do you see As far as scientific research is done on homeopathy, um, is it still in its infancy, or do you say, no, it is done really well, it is just not being accepted by everybody yet?
2: Yeah, great question. So, um, kind of both. It it depends on what you mean by scientific research. So, first of all, um, the remedies in the United States are FDA-regulated, um, and in order to be FDA regulated, they have to have gone through a proving process, um, which means that just like I said before, we're testing, we're proving the remedies on healthy people and coming up with a set of symptoms that uh, the remedy is capable of producing. Yeah. Um, but as far as other scientific research, there actually has been a lot done. And if you go to Homeopathy Research International, huh. which is out of Europe, um, they have compiled probably the most comprehensive list of research. Um, there's also a couple others, the British Homeopathic Association, I think it is, um, are compiling the research. And there's been some really, really great research done.
0: Is it homeopathyresearchinternational.com?
2: Um, Something
0: like that, or .org? Yeah, it
2: might be .org. Okay. Um, so, probably .org. But okay. Um there's been great research done on for example uh, one of the things that people often try to debunk homeopathy is they say it's a placebo. <laughs> yeah. So one of our best studies is actually done on diarrhea in children. Um this was done by an MD so she's she she's not even a homeopath. Yeah. Um, and she did research on different remedies to help with diarrhea in children which is a deadly thing in third world countries absolutely and she showed without a doubt in multiple studies that homeopathic remedies are are useful incredibly useful and can save lives yeah so that's one one example of really really awesome research done one of the challenges with doing research in homeopathy and why it's not always accepted by mainstream is because of the nature of homeopathy in that, that we have to individualize treatment for our patients. Okay. So if there's 10 people that walk through the door that have fibromyalgia, there might be 10 different remedies needed. Yes. Um, that makes it a challenge to, uh, to we prove can't, anything. To prove yes. anything. So a lot of people will say, well, you know, we we can't just, well." and they have done, so this is maybe a little bad example because they actually did a, re- a study showing that uh, Roos talks. Um, is useful to treat fibromyalgia in a certain percentage of cases. Yeah. But what's more in- interesting for me is to see, well, if everybody had individualized treatment, what is the success rate then? However, a, reg- a you know, regular allopath or somebody who's not necessarily keen on homeopathy looks at that and says, well, everybody has a different medicine, so how do you say that that's actually a trial? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also... Um, yeah yeah basically the individualization is sometimes a challenge even though that's actually a strength of homeopathy Mm -hmm. so there's a couple ways to get around it one is to do research showing that this remedy you know how is it useful in these named conditions in which case our success rate is going to be lower however we've still been able to show that there is success
0: absolutely Um,
2: for example the acillococcinum flu remedy has been shown to be useful against uh, flu. Flu. Right. Even though that's one remedy, and there's a bunch of other flu remedies that might be m- a much better fit. Yes. It might even be able to shorten the duration of flu and lessen symptoms even more. Okay. Um. So that's one example. Uh, another way is there are people doing research with individualized remedies, and it it just takes a little bit of the double blind. You. Can, it's hard to do a double blind study in that way, um, because the um you know the person Who's getting their case taken is having some therapeutic, um, therapeutic, um, what, what's the word? I'm uh, effect. There we go. Therapeutic yeah. effect just from having their case taken, and then it's it's kind of hard in that regard to then just give a placebo. So there's some challenges around um, doing. Double-blind clinical trials because of the nature of homeopathy. Yes, but they are still
0: being done. In the in the books uh, on homeopathy, like uh, Family Guide to Homeopathy, there's a few books out. They say that there are certain ailments. They say you really it's you cannot treat it with homeopathy. You go to go see a physician. That is, to me, very honest. If you feel that there is nothing, no remedy specifically that can work for a certain ailment, but then you're going to send them to a doctor who will look at homeopathy and say, well, that's a bunch of crap. And then they give you something that may not work either, but they assume it will work and you're being charged a lot of money. There will also be moments when you go see a physician because homeopathy doesn't really have a remedy for that, um, but then it does work. Mm -hmm. So- it's hard to tell, you have to, uh, you have to try this. But in homeopathy, there is over 1200 remedies. And then within the 1200 remedies, the 1200 different sources from which a remedy is made, and this is just single remedies. Then within that, you have all these different potencies. And, and that is also something I wanna ask you. I think I have an understanding how these things are made, how homeopathy is made. And to me, it is absolutely fascinating. Um, but please explain in your way, from your studies, what does all this 30C, 12X, 1M, 50L, whatever numbers they have, <laughs> letters they have, explain to us what this is, please.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, w- one of the things that Hahnemann discovered um, is that if you dilute your medicines, you eliminate side effects. Um, and then he discovered that if you also potentize the medicines, they become more potent and then you can dilute them further and get fewer side effects or, or zero toxic effects. There's actually no such thing as a side effect. There's only unwanted, uh, direct effects of drugs. Um, and in our case, that's why we document all the effects. Yes. So when they're made, um, the X means that it's diluted one in 10, Mm -hmm. And in other countries, it's called D for decimal. So one in 10, so Roman uh, Roman numeral X means 10. And the C means the remedies are diluted one in 100. Mm -hmm. And so for example, let's say we take the remedy Arnica and the first step is to create a mother tincture. So the the plant is is placed in alcohol, um, smashed up and left for 24 hours and then strained And that's how the mother tincture is made. And all of this, for each particular remedy, it's outlined very clearly in the HPUS, the Homeopathic Pharmacopeia of the United States, which outlines all of our guidelines for for the pharmacies to make these remedies. Um, So after you have the mother tincture, if you're going to make a 30C of Arnica, and this is what the pharmacies do. We don't do this in our kitchens. (laughs) But you take one part... So one drop of the arnica mother tincture, ninety nine drops of alcohol, and that would go in a small vial. And then the vial is succussed and
0: succussing, succussed,
2: and that means it's basically smashed or banged um, against
0: vigorously shaken,
2: vigorously uh, shaken, shaken against, not not stirred, not stirred, yeah, shaken, (laughs) not stirred, Um, against a book such as a leather bound Bible. Oh, is that right? Yep, (laughs) that's what he. I thought it goes in your hand. Most, I mean, we do it in our hand now, but in the pharmacies, they use a, you know, a specific leather mat. Huh. Hahnemann used the Bible. Huh. Um, and that is done was usually... He, was he angry? <laughs> was, was he... <laughs> Maybe. He probably was, actually. Bang he was it. German. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, typically a hundred times, there is some variation in how many succussions uh-huh. are given. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that is a 1C. So then one drop of that one C is put with 99 drops of alcohol. And then another set of, let's say 100 succussions is given. And that is a two C. So it's serially diluted up to whatever the number is. So 30 C with an X potency. It's the same thing, but it's a one drop of the mother tincture. And then nine, nine drops. Yep. Nine parts of uh-huh.
0: alcohol. Now, Common sense, human mind thinking is a 1X is stronger than a 1C, is stronger than a 1M. An M is one thousandths, so one drop with 999 drops. No,
2: actually, that's confusing. The 1M means a thousand C.
0: So a thousand there's, C. Yeah, there's oh. two
2: dilution scales. There's the X and the C. Um, It's just that when you get up to 1,000 C or 10,000 C or 50,000 C, that's when we start calling them 1M, 10M, 50M. CM would be 100,000 C. Yeah, but it's quite
0: a bit. 1,000 C, that means that you have to, there's a lot of succussing going on.
2: Yeah, so a lot of pharmacies use machines up past 200C or 30C, depending on the pharmacy. Um, But a lot of the good pharmacies will hand succuss up to 200C.
0: So they're doing I'll it by hand. Yeah. How many hours does that take? Um, it, I don't know. That's a good, that's yeah. a good question. Jeez Louise. Uh, yeah. So you would think, so let's say we take, uh, uh, you already mentioned it, RUSTOX. Mm-hmm. So RUSTOX, folks, is spelled R-H-U-S, TOX, T-O-X, which stands for toxicodendron. RUS, toxicodendron is poison ivy. You mentioned that rustox could potentially be a remedy for um, fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. It can also be one for skin conditions that look like poison ivy. Um, what are what are some other things that you could use rust rustox for?
2: Oh, I, I love that remedy. So many things. So rustox is useful for um, when you have delayed onset muscle soreness. So. Uh, we, I call it the rusty gate syndrome. I mean, I read that in a book. I'd not, I didn't make that up, but you know, when you work too hard in the garden one day and the next day you're really, really sore. And when you get up out of your chair, everything hurts and you kind of feel like a rusty gate. That's just barely getting moving. But then the more you move, you start to loosen up and you feel better. Okay. That's a keynote of rust talks. Okay. Um,
0: so moving, uh, moving will make you feel better?
2: Yeah, better with continued motion. Okay. Um, it also specifically uh, is good for overlifting. So again, that gardening, if you overlift and particularly your low back is sore,
0: that's
2: uh, uh, a good one for that. Uh-huh. It's useful for sprains and strains. Um, after Arnica has done its origin- initial job of, you know, taking care of the inflammation. Uh-huh. So you can get uh, Restox uh, in a cream topically or an ointment or maybe an oil uh, diluted, of course. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And that's very useful for, you know, kind of arthritic conditions. Rust tox is uh, someone who needs rust tox is going to feel worse in cold, damp weather. Okay. Um, So it's also useful for cold sores. It's one of the the top, I would say top three remedies for cold sores or fever blisters. It's, Th- those are kind of the top, uh, well, it's also a flu remedy. So I think we might've talked about it in January, but it is one of the top five remedies for influenza.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: Um, particularly when somebody is very restless. So because yeah. they feel bettered with, better with continued motion, yeah. they're not wanting to lay still. They're always just kind of moving a little bit. Okay. They can have a high fever. Um, they can, oftentimes the fever will come on at 10 a.m., Ah, so another one of those very strange, you know, individualizing characteristic symptoms that can help point us to a specific yeah. remedy. Um, they are going to feel better for drinking, you know, warm tea or just some sort of warm drink. They want warmth. They're going to be very chilly, and they're worse again for cold, wet weather. Mm-hmm. So um, arthritis, which is something that um, you know shouldn't necessarily be self-treated, but that typical arthritis where the hands are worse in cold, damp weather and, you know, really stiff in the morning. Yeah. That's a really
0: classic rust tox oh. um, type of. So we, thank you. Thank you for explaining that. And, and a lot of that is you can find, I mean, you know it by heart, but there is a lot of that available. If people come and look up, first of all, you can go to ABC homeopathy, which is uh, which is a good website to find. And you look it up all the benefits of, of all these different remedies, but we take poison ivy, it's chopped up, you chop it up and put it in alcohol? Or yeah, what smash you
2: it, smash it like just with a mortar and pestle or- Mortar
0: and pestle. Just, yeah, it's
2: typically smashed to kind of get the juices released.
0: Okay, and then you put it in alcohol. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain amount of alcohol, like a cup, or is it just level? Does it have to be uh, kind of just under the surface kind yeah,
2: of stuff? Yeah, just fully submerged.
0: What kind of alcohol do you usually use for this?
2: Um Pure, like Everclear,
0: Everclear, pure grain alcohol. Oh, the mm-hmm. strongest one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it um, you say 24 hours? Yep. So now you have the mother tincture. Is there anything going to be cooked out of that, or is it going to be heated up to make it nope. stronger? No. So then we want to make a 1X. We take one drop of that mother tincture with nine drops of alcohol or mm-hmm. water. It's alcohol. Water.
2: yeah they use water only past 200c in some pharmacies
0: but then you've already done the alcohol forever
2: right right
0: so okay so you do it with alcohol Mm -hmm. and then you shake it vigorously um for about a hundred times huh so i personally have an explanation what the shaking will do and i may have said that last time on the show i don't know anymore but um I I think it is fascinating. The way I explain it to people is this. You shake molecules against each other. The alcohol with the, in this case, the rust, toxicodendron, the poison ivy. So when you rub a balloon on a carpet, you can stick it against the wall. Nothing changed with the balloon or the carpet or the wall. They're still there. But the... The rubbing, again, of molecules against molecules, surface against surface, creates a friction, a magnetic electronic charge that when you stick it then against the wall or you hold it against your head, you see your hair rise up. So you do know that when things are getting shaken vigorously, you rub these different molecules against each other so you actually create a charge. That people still understand. But after we have a 1X, now we take one drop of the 1X, again with nine drops of alcohol. You shake that 100 times vigorously, that becomes a 2X. And a 2X is stronger than a 1X. hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're shaking your head, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the point where you say, "Well, let me explain to you how that works."
2: <laughs> yeah, so that's what some people are doing research on—is how fascinating. And it's we have people who are not homeopaths but yeah. are chemists, physicists, yeah, doing research trying to understand, you know, whether they want to We want to call it nanomedicine, what have you. Um, there's been research done into the memory of water. And, um, this is very useful to us, especially because we, um, do- a lot of homeopaths, any of them that have read the latest issue of Hahnemann's Organon, um, the latest edition will always dose in water. Uh-huh. Uh, we get a better result that way versus taking a dry pellet. So as far as the mechanism of action, that's still being investigated, and trying to be more understood. And I use that same analogy with the, the balloon yes. and rubbing okay, it on the floor. Okay, cool. Um, that's still being understood. I mean, it, it's, yeah, that that's still being investigated. But what we do know from 229 years of clinical mm-hmm. experience is mm-hmm. that it does work. And these are the very clear guidelines as to how to know which remedy to choose. Um, and seeing that it works in practice for so many hundreds of years.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is to me is, uh, it is fascinating. Mm -hmm. So, and my understanding is also if you do a C, so you do one drop of the tincture with 99 drops of the alcohol, you succuss it, and then you keep diluting it. So if you get diluting it, when you get past 7C, I understand that you cannot find the original molecule.
2: It's 12 is it 12C? Because Avogadro's number is 10 times um, something times 10 to the 23rd. Okay. So a 12C is going to be diluted basically one in 10 to the 24th. Okay. Um, so it's the 12th. Once you get to a 12C,
0: to a 12C. you With a microscope, you cannot really see the, uh, the original uh, raw of a mother tincture anymore or the original molecule from the plant. Or mineral that you used?
2: Um, correct. With a spectrometer, they are able to see some mineral nanoparticles.
0: Okay. So yeah. that's a, I want to talk about how they do the minerals because I can understand, I can clearly understand plants or roots or um, bark. Uh, but the minerals to me is a different story, and I like to understand more about that because there's a lot of minerals used yeah. in homeopathy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Jenna Dodge is my guest. We're talking about homeopathy. I just want to let you know if you go to jennadodge.com, D O D G E, jennadodge.com, you can find uh, plenty of information. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Good morning, caller. Thank you for joining the program today. Your name, please. How can we help you?
4: Here's a tough ombre question from Montana. Yeah. This is actually a, a graduate school question for you. You may have to uh, graciously bow out, but see what you can do with it. I took some acylo this morning, so I have a fondness that rebony, and I want to know what I'm into. So I hear it's made out of duck or goose liver. Now, I know there's a great scandal about goose liver, a delicacy in expensive restaurants called something like foie gras.
0: Foie gras.
4: Foie gras.
0: Foie gras, gras. yes.
4: (laughs) The farmer forcibly sticks a tube down the goose's throat, force feeds it with corn boiled and fat, and its liver swells up until it's tender, and then you could sell this tender liver to a restaurant. Now are the goose or no the, wonder uh, you
0: spend so much money on that stuff? <laughs> God, the stuff yeah, is expensive—like twelve yeah, bucks for a serving for a little yeah, little side dish.
4: Yeah, it may not, now that's the question about uh, homeopathics. May not hurt the person, but does it hurt the duck? Are the gooses that produce the livers for uh, a little uh, treat this human, humanly, humanly?
0: Uh, you can't uh, No, nah, they have, they have TV. And they have internet, uh, Daniel. While they're waiting for their success, they're totally humanly treated. <laughs> that's a
2: that's a really good question. They
0: go shopping. They do. Uh, yeah, they, they totally.
2: What I want, I, I don't know the answer to that, but what I can tell you is that because the remedies are made in, they're so dilute, um, where not many ducks are used. In fact. Um, we're going to talk about one remedy in a minute when we get to talking about the minerals. Um, but we are still working with the original supply of a particular mineral that Hahnemann (laughs) created. So what that, what that means is one duck liver could create medicine for the entire world. It, it goes so far. And that's one of the things I love about homeopathy, you know, and it's basically the opposite of, Something like essential oils, and I love oils. Don't get me wrong, but those are so concentrate that it takes an entire rose bush to make three drops of oil. Or you know, I'm exaggerating, obviously. Sure. It's the opposite with homeopathy. Um, we only need a little bit of the source material to make a lot, a lot, a lot of remedies. So I understand your concern, and there's definitely people who will, you know, will refuse to take Aspilacoxinum or other animal remedies. Um, because of the animal cruelty issue, but it's definitely in my in my opinion, it's such a small drop in the bucket. Many many more industries are much much worse to animals. So yeah. it's a great question, and I can't answer entirely about the human you know how humanely they're treated. But uh, you know, first do no harm. We truly believe that as homeopaths.
4: Yeah. All right. Let me give one more footnote, and then I'll. I'll... Cover my head and get out of here before they start throwing things at me. Uh, Cobus mentioned and the estrogen replacement last week. Yeah. That's also produ- produced a very insensitive way of treating pregnant mares for getting estrogen out of them to give to women. It's even kind of a subtle way of saying pre, uh, pre means pregnant, mare means mare, in means urine. So in its glory days, you'd have hundreds of thousands of pregnant horses in small st- stalls with tubes stuck up their urinary tract to catch the intensified urine. And then when they did have the foals, the uh, ch- children, they'd be fattened up, butchered and ground up and sold as animal food. So we, we really have to be sensitive what's going on in the background to, to see if we're, we may feel good about Something, but uh, the animals might be taking a beating.
0: Well, it's uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Daniel. It's uh, we're not talking again about uh, 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 the urine. Well, the urine that that is not something that has to do with uh, natural medicine. That has to do with uh, pharmaceutical companies who are extracting the urine from these pregnant horses. And I don't know how they're being treated. But that is maybe something you should call. A medical doctor or a pharmaceutical company about and uh, and see what you can do. Maybe you can adopt a horse and then treat it really well and then feel good about that. Do you have room for that?
4: Yeah. Uh no, no. I live in an apartment building unless I rented a, one of the apartments mm. uh, next door.
0: How about a duck? Could you could you adopt a duck? <laughs> uh, and treat it really humanely.
4: Yeah, well, I. Just, I I suppose all things are possible.
0: Uh, I'm just uh, checking. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of having fun with you, but I, I understand your concern. But you know, the point is that <clears throat> if we have a problem, we have to do whatever we can to uh, to to do something good. On the other end to make it uh, to make it all to balance it all out, I would say.
4: Yeah, yeah. I'm not supposed to have guests. More than uh, five days, so it'd be uh, pretty hard having a duck for a lifespan. Yeah. Okay, well, some of the insensitive ways that this country has...
0: It's not just this country, it's the way the industry has gone, but that's not really what we're talking about over here. Yeah. But it's always fun to hear your voice, Daniel. Thanks for the call, and I wish you a good weekend.
4: Okay, thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye.
0: So we're talking about the different... uh, Jenna Dodge, my guest, uh, we are discussing the, in my opinion, the amazing therapy of homeopathy. Uh, I was never thinking, believe it or not, maybe I have thought about it, about debunking homeopathy. That was a bunch of hooey. And then last night, I, I see all of a sudden something show up on the internet about debunking. And I go, let's check this out. And I just know with homeopathy... You can give a homeopathic remedy to a one-day-old baby, and you can give it to a 1,000-pound horse who have absolutely no clue what you're doing to them, and if it is the right remedy, it'll work for whatever needs to be done. And so then I say, now it could be that I put my will on that horse, or I put my will on that baby, but that's not really how it works. It either works or it doesn't. And because of that knowledge, I therefore feel that homeopathy, using homeopathy, is completely safe and effective. And have you heard of side effects that you know? Because Hahnemann uh, had definitely experienced. You know, he had he had was bitten by a snake and then used the venom to make the homeopathic antidote and actually cured himself from this uh, from the bite. And so, have you heard of negative side effect of side effects, not pleasant ones, from using homeopathy?
2: So yes and no, Um, the only time that somebody can get side effects is or or unwanted effects is if they continue to take a remedy that does not suit them and they're taking it repeatedly. That's how provings are done. Um, So we take healthy people and we give them a remedy and they get and they get effects. That's why it's important to match the remedies appropriately. Mm -hmm. And if you're not sure to not continue taking doses. Um, the difference though, and I like to be very clear with this, there are no toxic side effects right and that's that's a big difference. You're not right. going to get any sort of poisoning um, anything like that. And um, especially if you make sure to stick within the the range of potencies where you are not going you're not it's not possible to get a, to get toxic side effects because we are at that 12c or above 12c 30x. 30 C. I definitely use the lower potencies. Like six C is great, especially if it's something that's not a toxic substance to begin with. Okay. Um, and even if it were, I mean, that is really, really, really dilute. Something like Belladonna 6C, you're gonna have to take a whole, you know, truck full of Belladonna 6C from Boron to have any possible side effect, and what you would have is a sugar high <laughs> from yes. drinking, from eating so many of those yeah, yeah, pellets. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: because the lactose in there, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. so uh, mostly sucrose. It depends on the company, but
0: yeah.
2: um, so I like to say no, for the most part, no side effects. If somebody were being extremely stubborn and they continued taking a remedy that was not properly matched, they might show symptoms because, again, that's how we do our provings. Yes. Um. But they're short lived and they're not a toxic uh, toxicity issue.
0: It's not so. going to change your life. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So can we go back to the dilutions? Yes. When do you recommend people use a an X remedy? And and I want to go even further to that because my understanding is that practitioners can only use a two X or three or four X you cannot usually find them in the health food store Uh, the 6x is the lowest potency of the yeah that we can sell then i have seen 12x 30x and then we go into the c's and then to the m's how would you explain to people when to use an x or a c 100 or an m 1000 Mm -hmm. a thousand times c yes yeah
2: well, nobody should be using a 1M without a practitioner, um, okay. with the possible exception of Arnica 1M if you are a go-getter skier who crashes all the time
3: <laughs> Okay, Ar-
2: So, or, or some sort of trauma. Arnica 1M can be very useful in trauma. However, Arnica 200C is also m- very adequate for most people to have. Um, so I don't really suggest people use a 1M of anything without a practitioner. It's a very potent medicine. What we're looking for is we're, we want to match the potency of the remedy with the vitality of the patient mm-hmm. and the pace and intensity of the um, acute disease or you know the injury or accident. So if it's a high fever, if it's a strong acute, the flu that came on quickly, you might go with a 200C. Yeah. Um, If you're a little bit less sure about your remedy selection. Say
0: say that one more time. When do you use 200C?
2: If it's a strong acute or some sort of traumatic um, injury, you know, um, uh, you crash your bike, um, you fall when you're hiking, something like that. Or a strong acute, like a high fever, influenza, something that comes on quickly yeah. and is really wipes you out. That's when you're going to want a 200c um, or a 30 C is usually adequate for a lot of people and those are easier to find. There's not a lot of 200 Cs available. I know you can order a lot, sure. but if somebody's that sick, you know they're going to want something that now. is available now. Um, the 30 C is the best starting potency for most people. It's available widely. Um, if there's a lot of homeopathic remedy kits that you can purchase that come in a 30C potency. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of, of guessing they're going to be good for younger kids. They're going to be good for older folks. Um, and just kind of across the board, when in doubt, 30C is a great place to start. Uh-huh. Um, I also really love the 12C potency, especially okay. if it's something mm-hmm. that's not didn't necessarily come on super quick. Um, or something that's more physical, like let's say you sprained your ankle, you took arnica 200, the swelling went down, but you just have a little bit of lingering stiffness, achiness. You might try tox in a 12C, and put it in water. You know, take a take three doses a day as an example. Put it of, in water. Yep, put it in water so you can put it in just about two to four ounces of water. And it lets the pellets go further. And more importantly, you can succuss between doses. And it's just going to raise that potency a little bit.
0: Succuss what?
2: Succuss the, the remedy water? in the water. Yep.
0: So you take the water. Mm-hmm. How do you take it then? You drink it?
2: Yep. You just take a sip.
0: Take a sip. As a huh? dose.
2: Huh. Or if you tip. use a dropper bottle, you can take you know a couple drops out of the dropper bottle. Okay. Um, so that's one example of how I might use Restox. Uh, 12C is yeah. it, in, 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 and I have used it like that for different running <laughs> injuries. Sure,
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, 30C might also be great. I actually, when I did this, I'm thinking back, I used the 6C. It's what I had. Um, it worked great. My knee pain went away very quickly. Um, so um, any range of that 6C, 12C up to 200 is going to be great. The higher number for stronger. You know, injuries, symptoms. acute symptoms, and healthier people.
1: Oh,
0: interesting.
2: Less vital people, you definitely want to go lower so that the body can actually use the potency. You go too strong and you're not that healthy and vital of a person, your vital energy is, you know, not that great. Your body can't even make use of the high potency.
0: Okay. So, a, a few questions here. If you use a lower potency, so now we're talking about a six C, we're talking about an X, twelve X, six X, thirty X, lower potency, have more of the actual extract in it, more of the mother nature, more of the base of the product, the main product that you are using, the the whatever the the, the herb, despite the the root bark whatever, so that means that there are more molecules available on people who don't have a very strong energy who all maybe already have a weakened system who are under a lot of stress, etc. when you use a more diluted, you actually make the the remedy stronger the more you dilute it and I don't know if listeners have understood that the more you dilute a remedy, the stronger it becomes. Hmm. Because this energy is being succussed each and every time, and it is able to sustain itself in the medium that is being used. And the more it is able to stay alive through this process, the longer it will stay alive in your body as well, right? And so, therefore, it can work deeper for people who are very vital, et cetera, Uh, long term. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, that's a good analogy. I also like to use the analogy of hitting a golf ball. So a 200C would be if, if you hit a golf ball and you hit it 400 feet and it and then it keeps rolling. It's got a lot of speed on it. It's going to keep rolling for longer when it lands. Yeah. Versus a, a 12C is going to be hitting at a shorter distance. It's not going to roll for quite as far when Like it lands.
0: me, what I do. I, <laughs> yeah. I, hit, I hit the dirt.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I hit the dirt.
2: And and the 30X is still non-material because it's been diluted past that Avogadro's number. I don't like to use anything. The what number? Avogadro's number. So chemists know Avogadro's number as...
0: Avo. Avogadro. Avogadro. It's Avogadro. the number of
2: molecules um, of something um, okay. in a mole.
0: Okay. So this is, this is uh, uh, to me, a little confusing, which, mm-hmm. is, uh, which is good, because mm-hmm. that's why we're talking about it, uh, because I do know that, and I can see it primarily in my own store, that homeopathy is very popular, mm-hmm. but people usually look at a label and they just say, oh, it says over here for teary eyes or something. And then they take that remedy. But there is much more to the remedy mm-hmm. and there is much more for teary eyes. Yeah. Um, I am just been instructed a little differently. And so I'm getting confused with some of the things that you say. And therefore, I'm glad you explain it to us because if I learn, then I'm sure there are some listeners who said, oh, never looked at it that way. Um I want to ask you that for the question right away. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: We work with, primarily with the company uh, Boiron or Boiron. Mm -hmm. We also work with uh, uh, Highlands. Mm -hmm. And we work with a few other companies that have homeopathic dilutions in there. I was told that a 6C is used for something that happened. You can point at it. You can say the pain is right here or the this, the rash is right here, or the headache is right there, in the front, in the back, in the neck, in the disc. 6C, and when it started within the last week. That's what I heard. 30C, they, I heard they say, you go more for a remedy, uh, you use a remedy, 30C, when something has been going on longer than a week, but you don't really know when it started, and so you can just safely use this remedy um, and it probably will therefore start working and finish the job for you. But we don't know exactly when it's going to end, but it could end very quickly. So it could be weeks, months that you've been suffering from something. The M can be used when something has been traumatic in your life in your childhood in something that you have carried with you for a long time and that is still rearing its ugly head and it needs to be stopped in the track but we just don't know where it started. Mm Can you elaborate on that when we come back from the break? Sure. Would you mind? Yeah, that's because great. Because I, I, I want to understand, I trust you, what you say, because you have the latest of the latest updates in your studies. And uh, so we're going to listen more what Jenna Dodge has to say about this, folks. I hope you stay with us. We have a lot to talk about. We also will discuss cell salts, allergy seasons, and some other things. Why do you choose a homeopath? So stay tuned for that. We're going to be right back. Thanks for listening. A little bit about the history, a little bit more about the history, which we discussed about four months ago as well, but more detail right now because it's just an amazing science. It's been around for 200, uh, what do you say, 229, longer mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. You said 1750? Mm-hmm. That is, uh, yeah, actually, it's uh, almost 30 years, uh, 270 years almost. No,
2: 229. 1790, sorry. 1790,
0: 1790. Yep. okay. 229. Holy moly, mega 250. My goodness. 229. That's a good price. Uh, any case, d- uh, Dr. Samuel Hahnemann, a medical doctor from Germany who immigrated to the United States. My understanding is that he, he didn't? No. Nope. I thought he immigrated here. Nope. You're, you maybe
2: you're thinking of, of Herring, Dr. Herring.
0: Dr. Herring. hmm Huh. Um, he, so Hahnemann stayed where he was.
2: Yeah. Well, he ended up moving to Paris, and he died in Paris. And oh. He's, he's buried there. Yeah. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Well, done. hmm Scrap that for my notes, (laughs) (laughs) for my research. No, I must not have researched that. I must have heard about it. So homeopathy, uh, uh, safe and fascinating to use. And we discussed how you make an extract and make an extract, how we shake and succuss the remedy to get the potency we want how to uh, use a C potency, an X potency, an M potency, when to use it. And I started explaining what I know. And so Jenna is going to explain to us right now what she says, how you use these remedies, because it is somewhat confusing. And as she said, if 10 people walk in a room, for example, with fibromyalgia, or even with asthma, you uh, probably will need 10 different remedies because homeopathy is very individualized. And that is what makes it, and it was so interesting that you mentioned that, that makes it not only a, a very, I think you feel very valued as a, let's say, patient when somebody is really paying attention to who you are, how you put together, what your energy is, what your activity is, what are some of the, the battles you're fighting emotional, your physical, so that you really get personalized attention. At the same time, it is very difficult for science to say, well, if you have a selective group of this many people, um, you know, how do we test that homeopathy really works? So is it therefore a placebo? No, it's not. Because even if you you probably work with you, you may say, I want you to take this remedy. And then that remedy, it may not say anything, and I may not know what I'm taking, and a lot of people I know don't care what they take as long as it helps. Mm -hmm. And so you can say, well, whatever Jenna just gave me it better work, so I'm really excited about this, but no, the remedy works or it doesn't work, it's that simple, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty neutral if Mm -hmm. it doesn't work. Now, what I would like to ask you, Jenna, is your explanation, you just said if something is acute, and intense in a person who has good vitality go to a 200C, which is complete opposite of what I heard. Mm -hmm. Uh, You pick a 6C, 12C, 30C. And by the way, folks, why not a 5C or a 7C or a 29C or a 31C? Over time, they have simply discovered that these numbers seem to work. Mm -hmm. So you use for 6, 12, 30C, uh, access same thing mm-hmm. 61230, mm-hmm. uh, 200x, 200c, and then you go into your amps. Um, please explain to us, Jenna, why so how, how you would use a remedy based on the person who's in front of you.
2: Yeah. So again, I look at their vitality. So, what is, what is their vitality? It's essentially their energy, their level of health. Um, their creativity. So that's a, you know, measure of mental function. And to make it really simple, you can think about somebody's age and whether or not they are generally healthy. So a younger person who is healthy without chronic disease, and I'm I'm not even meaning just necessarily a named condition, but you know, food allergies um, is a sign of chronic disease. So somebody that has more chronic issues is less, has a lower vitality. So Mm -hmm. we're going to want to take that into account and when we pick our remedy. So we're matching the vitality of the patient plus, um, or taking into consideration the pace and intensity of the acute and then matching that to a potency. And again, 30C is a nice place to land. But for a younger child with a high fever, came on quickly, they're a healthy kid, that's when you can go to uh, 200C. Whether you know, no matter what remedy you match them to—Belladonna, mm-hmm. Ferrum Phosphoricum, Aconite—whatever remedy matches them, that's when you can go to that 200C potency. Um, or if you only have a 30C, use a 30, right? Because 30 plate, 30 is a nice place to land.
0: So it is not so that when somebody says, "Well, I run every day, or I go to the gym every day," but they have um, autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. That you would say, well, you're really vital because you go to the gym every day, or you run, or you have a physical job, so it looks like you got a lot of vitality. Vitality is not the same as energy. Vitality, you say, by taking and doing a take an interview with the person, you are finding out if there is something chronically just bugging them. That takes you a notch down from being a very vital person so now you already start looking at somebody and say we need to get a remedy that is not for pure vitality it's not about energy but it is about the inner vitality that you carry with you
2: exactly energy is only one of the several things used to to measure vitality um, for example um, one of the other things we look at is modality so what things oh. make a person feel worse Modality. If, let's say you have Allergies, which we're going to talk about soon, anyway. Um, let's say you have allergies and you are only allergic to one particular type of pollen. Uh, you only have mild allergies; it's not so bad. There's only a few days of the year that you feel them. Yeah. Then contrast that to somebody who has allergies all day, every day, from May till October, and they can't go outside, and it's you know severely affecting their life. They're maybe going to be taking a medication, Zyrtec, or some other you know medication, or potentially doing a lot of natural things, but they, you know, if they go out in the morning, they leave their house and they forget to do their neti pot and their oils and all these things there, they're, they're going to suffer. That person has a lot more modalities. There's a lot more things that make them feel bad, essentially <laughs> to really yes. simplify it. Yes. That's just one other example of, um, measuring vitality. Another is, are you on any medications or supplements that could be suppressive?
0: Oh,
2: um, which is most of them. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: So uh, the more medications somebody is on, or even supplements, um, can be because it's essentially a prop that the body is requiring to function. Um, you know that's going to indicate a lower vitality as well. Uh-huh. Um, so those are some examples. But with you know, since you're only going to be picking remedies for yourself or your you know your immediate family those people who are listening, just think about how healthy is this person? How, how old, how young are they? Um, what is their energy like? And just with your gut feeling, how healthy, how vital is this person? Um, right. And then go from there, try not to overthink it. Um, I do like to err on the side of lower rather than higher because you can always go up. Okay. Um, if you start too high of a potency, a couple of things can happen. Either so high
0: potencies, again, is a 200, 200 seat, for example. Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. If
2: you go too high, either it's just going to be too potent that your body can't handle it. It's just going to, your body won't even be able to, to use any of it. It'll just oh. go over. The other thing is it could aggravate your symptoms. Um, and that's And that would mean your current symptoms get a little bit worse before they get better. And that's just another reason why we like to err on the side of of a lower potency. You can always dose a lower potency more frequently. You cannot, uh, it doesn't equate a higher potency, but it can, it's again, kind of like hitting that golf ball. It's like you can hit the golf ball a little bit more frequently to get that same distance as hitting a golf ball just a little bit farther to begin with. Yeah. One thing I do want to note, because I get this question all the time, is you cannot take five pellets of a 6C to equal a 30C. I think we've made that clear oh, okay. when we talk about about the dilution.
0: No, a 6C is a 6C.
2: Yeah, and, right. and another thing that you'll hear, and I used to say this as well because this is how I was originally taught, is that whether you take one pellet or 10 pellets or the whole bottle doesn't matter. That's not true. Um, it does matter. The number of pellets does matter. So um in a lot of people they may not be able to tell the difference but in somebody who is sensitive to just things regular medications supplements thing the world around them they are really going to be able to tell the difference between taking one versus five or 10 so i just encourage you to follow the instructions that your homeopath gave or the bottle
0: tells you well it's interesting because the bottle i uh, years ago we had a homeopath on from the East Coast, and she was very interesting, Bert Lanahan. and she said that you really just need three pellets; uh, three should be enough. And when I uh, and the bottle will say five pellets three times a day, and I talked to the rep, and he said, "Well." Don't tell anybody, you know, just, mm-hmm. just let them take five. And I said, yeah, but I, I'm i sorry, but I want to make sure that people get what they need mm-hmm. and that we, uh, that they still see the success. You know, the, the remedies are cheap. For those of you who do not know anything much about homeopathy, if you take these single vials, blue tubes with the little white pellets in there, um, they're $7.99. So they're very inexpensive for about 80, 85 uh, pellets to to definitely experience it. and but you say so three to five is what you should take, but not just one
2: yeah. Un- unless you find out that you are somebody who is more sensitive, you can take just one. or again, if you're working with a homeopath and they tell you just take one then then do that. But in general, yeah, I, I actually I like the number three, and that's why I love the the potencies we use six, twelve, thirty. Uh, Most of them, not all, of course, 200 is not. um,
0: Divided by three.
2: Yeah, a lot of them are multiples of three, so I love that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. I uh, thank you for that. And by the way, folks, uh, (laughs) Brooklyn and Jenna (laughs) Dodge is my guest today. We are discussing on this program, Gesundheit with Jacobus, we're discussing homeopathy. And uh, we hope you are enjoying yourself. If you have any questions, by all means, call the studio right here at 125 West Mendenhall in Bozeman. Um, I either if you're listening in Park County at AM 1340 KPRK or right here in the Gallatin Valley at AM, 13, uh, excuse me, AM 1450 KMMS, the telephone number is 406-522-8255 or text me at uh, the app, AM 1450 KMMS app and just go to messages and message me or us something, we'll address it as we go. Uh, I do know it works. Last week somebody did send a message, so I'm getting it. I haven't gotten anyone yet, but we'll check it out. Again, during the break, uh, thanks for listening. Now, the, the um, three to five pallets, uh, one thing I was also told, do, for example, three pallets three times a day. If you see any improvement, go to three pallets twice a day you see any more improvement, go to three pellets once a day, and then when you still see improvements, then an improvement can be as little as 20% or so, then you can stop because the, 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 just the way it is potentiated, it is potentiating in your body. It's working in your body. You don't need to add more to it to make it better. Once it's working, it's working. If you your symptoms, for whatever reason, do come back, just take again three pallets, get the memory back up to the body and it starts to utilize it very quickly is that correct
2: that that's one way to do it for sure yeah okay if it's uh if it's a stronger acute it's going to be a much shorter time frame but you're absolutely correct in that the body is going to continue to heal the remedy is stimulating your body's own healing mechanism and so once that's been stimulated you don't need to keep to keep giving the remedy unless you've noticed that your body is kind of plateaued. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely one way to do it. It really just depends on the exact, you know, what's going on in the acute. Um, but I do like that. That's not going to be too many doses. Um, I, so those are some good guidelines.
0: But you can take it more often. And when do you, for example, suggest to take five pallets uh, at a time?
2: Um, well, I normally dose in water, <laughs>
0: so yeah, that's so interesting yeah. to do that. I still don't. I mean, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You you dose it in water, so you take what three, four ounces of water. Yep, and yep. then you put like three or five pellets in there.
2: Yep, exactly. And then and that, you
0: put it in a spoon and just take it with a spoon. Yeah, or, or you I, can
2: just take a sip. So you dissolve a few pellets in a two to four ounces of water. It depends yeah. on what the person's using. Yeah. I like either a dropper bottle, um, which you might sell at your store or like a ball jar with a lid. Uh, And then you just, again, two to four ounces of water. You put a few pellets in there and then you succuss that. You vigorously shake that 10 times between doses. And then you just take a sip or, you know, a dropper full or just, you really only need a half teaspoon or so Uh as your dose. Uh Um, And that's nice. It stretches your remedies. And the reason we do that is because Samuel Hahnemann in the fifth edition of his Organon and then again in the sixth edition, um, he started dosing in water. Um, He noticed that, he he said you never wanna give the same potency of a remedy twice. So if you continue dosing dry, Uh um, you're giving the same exact potency. And when you dilute the remedies in water and then you succuss them, you're raising that potency ever so slightly. And you're just less likely to get any of those, any proving Mm -hmm. symptoms or any aggravations whatsoever. It's Mm. more gentle. Um, And then um, it also stretches your remedies and helps them go farther as well. And it's definitely better for repeated dosing to do it that way, especially going back to the example of a child with a high fever. You know, if you give one dose, let's just say Belladonna. That's everyone kind of knows of that one.
0: Deadly nightshade. Yeah.
2: Of a, of a typical fever, high fever in children um, with those glassy eyes, and uh, they might be hallucinating a little bit, you know, typical high fever. Um, let's say you give one remedy, one dose, and they're totally better, um, meaning they're, they're feeling a lot better. Their fever has come down almost all the way, et cetera. But then the, that fever starts to come back. Let's yeah. say it's only been an hour. You can give another dose at that point. Okay. Um, so you don't have to stick to the three times a day. You really want to give it as needed, but not more than is needed. And okay. once the child is, or the, in any instance, so no matter what the acute is, really, once you're about eighty percent better. For the most part, you just stop dosing and let your body take over from there. Yeah, And of course, you can always take another dose if you start to slide backwards. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're right, it's not like antibiotics where you have to take a 10-day course no matter what. Um, you stop whenever you're feeling much, much better.
0: Mm. And by the way, I, I do mention, of course, that Jenna Dodge is my guest. When you go to a website, jennadodge.com, jennadodge.com, you find all the contact information. So what is Jenna doing? She is a uh, she's a certified homeopath, classically trained homeopath, and she is available for consultations. So you can actually work with her uh, either by Skype or Zoom. You said Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. I never heard of it before. And then, or you can have private consultations with her where she is doing an intake with you and finding out what remedy may be best for you or for your child. Uh, or for your parents. <laughs> 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 Just surprise them. It's Mother's Day tomorrow. Mom, I got a remedy for you. Uh, so, but Jenna can help you with, uh, with those kind of things to kind of see the trees uh, through the forest because it is a it's a fascinating field and you will find remedies that do similar things but they set themselves apart and so, understanding that if it is too much work for you, it is worth it. it. Really, is to hire Jenna for a consultation and just get started because you will just learn something, and that is individualized for yourself. You will uh, start getting a remedy that you don't mess around. You just literally start using what you what you need, and uh, that takes the, that takes the 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 confusion out of it, so to say. So this is also one of the things that you do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're you're a consultant. So uh, that's one of the reasons. I mean, because the remedies themselves are very inexpensive, as I mentioned. And if Jenna says you can dilute them in water, that even stretches it more. So I, I never did it that way, but it's very good. And I have to tell you that when I take homeopathy, I have a tendency to take it more than I probably need. I take three, and then I take three, and take another hour, three. And Mm -hmm. I've told people, if you're really stuck, you can take it every 20 minutes to an hour, Mm -hmm. and for a short period of time, for a couple hours maybe. Mm -hmm. And I do the same with herbs. I say, if you really like tinctures and stuff, I said, if you really are under the weather, take it every 10, 15 minutes for like two hours, and then go once an hour until you go to bed. And most people, the next day, you know, if I look at it, I compare it with chopping down a tree. Mm-hmm. You can give it a chop at 6 in the morning and at 6 at night. Got to drive all the way up in the mountains and through the snow and then chop it and go back down and come back at 6 at night. I said, you can stay and just chop it down. Mm-hmm. You know, so it takes a little bit of effort. Uh, you may be sweating, but at least you got your job done. And it's a similar thing, in my opinion, with homeopathy or with uh, herbal tinctures mm-hmm. that you uh, you get that effect. So, wow. Wow. Um, very, very good. Now shall we uh we're close to you to the end of this hour. I I really wanna give us a quick introduction, please. Um well, oh oh minerals. Mm-hmm. What about minerals? Yeah. Jenna, that is something confuses me because I understand you want to mash plants in a with a pestle and a model pestle. Uh what about minerals? Yeah.
2: So minerals are, of course, they're not soluble in um, alcohol or water. And so we we use a process called trituration. Um, Say it again? Trituration, uh, T-R-I-T-U-R-A-T-I-O-N. Not to be confused with titration. <laughs> trituration. Um, and it involves a very particular process of using a mortar and pestle and grinding the mineral with lactose in that same, in, in a one to 100 ratio so one grain, he used grains, one grain of the mineral to a to hundred grains of uh, lactose powder, and he grinds and scrapes, grinds and scrapes, grinds and scrapes for an hour. In a very particular way, he adds a third of the lactose at a time, grinds for several minutes, scrapes for several minutes.
0: So or- it's one grain of the mineral with one grain of the... Uh- of the lactose
2: uh, with a hundred grains of lactose, grains of lactose.
0: Yep. Wow. and
2: he does that three times serially to get to a three C so after he has the one C trituration he takes one grain of that with a hundred grains of lactose and does it again to get the two C Wow. typically when you get to three C everything is soluble at that point huh. so then it's the same um, we just run up the potency
0: from there okay Maybe we can jump on that when we come back. Uh, we're running out of time here for this hour. Can you believe it's two hours?
2: I can't believe it. It's
0: ridiculous. It's too fast. Yeah, way too fast. We got a lot more to talk about, folks. Cell uh, souls amongst others. Maybe we can touch on, on lightly this show and then elaborate on it in the next show. All right. Stay tuned. Uh, we are going to be back in a jiffy. See you soon. Just at the end of the last half hour we started talking about how do we make minerals. And maybe you want to start over again. Now you have a little bit more time before the break hits. With plants, for those of you who missed it, can Mm -hmm. I say it? No, you go out and say it. How how do we do it with plants?
2: Yeah, yeah. So with plants, we discussed making a mother tincture out of the plant and alcohol. So smashing the plant to release the juices, which is where the medicinal powers are held, and then adding alcohol to preserve those. Letting so it soak how overnight. Much, oh,
0: yeah. So enough to cover the. Uh, mm-hmm,
2: the just, mo- yeah. Okay. Yeah, enough to cover, um, and then letting it soak overnight. And then is
0: that it? Overnight, so you don't need to go twenty-four hours or so. Oh,
2: 24 hours. Yeah. Okay. And, and all these guidelines are outlined in the homeopathic pharmacopoeia of the United States, which is the document that regulates the manufacture of homeopathic remedies. Okay. So every every plant every remedy is slightly different. Um, and pharmacies just need to follow these guidelines. So when you buy a remedy, you want to see that it says HPUS manufactured, you know, under
0: HPUS, Homeopathic standards. Pharmacopoeia of the United States. Yes, exactly. Okay.
2: Which uh, the the ones you sell do. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. I, um, I I did see that.
2: Yeah. So that's how um, a plant remedy is made. Now, any substance that is insoluble cannot be dissolved in water or alcohol. Um, is going to be made in a different way uh, by using a mortar and pestle and a method called trituration, which is simply grinding the substance with a lactose powder for a very long time.
0: Yes. <laughs> grinding
2: and scraping, grinding and scraping. Uh, one part of, let's just say we're using...
0: Um, minerals, minerals. Minerals. Let's
2: say we're using mercury.
0: Mercury, right. And...
2: Um, we're gonna use one part mercury to 100 parts lactose, and this is by weight, and grind and scrape, grind and scrape, and then you have your 1C uh, remedy. And then you take one part of that to 100 parts of lactose, and you grind and scrape, grind and scrape again for another hour, and it's a very detailed process, I'm simplifying it. But then you have your 2C, and you do that one more time, you take one part of that 2C, Add with 100 parts of lactose, grind and scrape, grind and scrape for another hour. Then you have your 3C, at which point most things are soluble. Wow. Now, I just want to say, interesting side note, um, Samuel Hahnemann, who invented homeopathy, who codified it for us, he was a brilliant chemist, among other things. And he invented uh, soluble mercury. So you'll see the remedy merck Sol. And that means it was mercury that is soluble. (coughs) And that is made using uh, just the dilution method because it's soluble. And he's very well known for that uh, accomplishment in chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's also, just while we're talking about how amazing he is, he is the only person who's not a politician who has a monument in Washington, D.C. Really? Yep. And um, several hospitals have been named after him. Uh, there's some so maybe
0: that's why, I was confused about where he lived. I yep. thought that he had come to the United States because he had to. Ne- he was he do, couldn't practice in Germany or something?
2: Yeah, that would no. He he never did, but um, he still has a legacy here. I mean, he was brilliant, and you know, hundred and twenty years ago, there was many many homeopathic medical colleges, um, children's hospitals, hospitals. The first medical school. That accepted women was a homeopathic medical school wow. so it was it was huge here it really was yeah um and we Just talked about you. that last time yeah. Yeah. so yeah. if you're ever in dc go check out the honiman uh, memorial it's uh it's near all the other ones but yeah, yeah i would yeah. never been there. I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna have to go check that out next time. On a time pilgrimage, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on your
0: pilgrimage, yeah. I hope it's a big enough statue that you go like, wow.
2: It's a big monument. Oh, it is. It okay, has, good. it has a big backdrop, and yeah, it's big. It's not just a little thing on the little side thing of the road like in, a,
0: in a park somewhere, <laughs>
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> it's no link. It's not the you know, it's not Lincoln the monument size. No, but.
0: no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, well, still.
2: A lot of remedies are made out of minerals, and usually the mineral remedies are more useful for chronic conditions. Um, But there is a subset of minerals called the cell salts and Highlands is a company that makes, I I know you carry them in your store. They make cell salts, which are mineral remedies um, that are a combination of minerals that are found in every cell of our body. And those are in a 6X potency. So they're made with that trituration, but it's a 1 to 10 solution instead of a 1 to a 100, because we're talking about the X scale. Yes. And then they're triturated up to a 6X. So they are a material dose. There is, you know, if we look at uh, ferum phos, one of the cell salts, yes. there is iron and phosphate in the cell salts. But there's just a little bit. And so it's different than taking something like an iron supplement, um, you know, that you might be prescribed or um, in
0: another form. It's yeah. a
2: very, very... Still very dilute. It's um,
0: always made. it's no. There are cell cells in the six x, and there are some in the twelve x, right?
2: There are some, but usually they're in the six x.
0: Six x, yeah. Usually, okay.
2: Um, and then there's bioplasma, which is a combination of all twelve. 12 yeah. And those are a blend. Some of them are in a three x. Some of them are in a six x. Oh, I believe. Okay, we'd look at the ingredients to double check, but I think there's a blend of. Um, Dilutions
0: or potencies in so there. So why are they only primarily in an X, and what is so special about cell salts? So you just mentioned Ferrum Foss. Yeah, Ferrum is iron.
2: Yeah, right? yeah. So uh, there was a homeopath named Schüssler, and he oh yeah he, he determined is, yeah. that these mineral combinations are useful in every cell, and he started using them in a six X potency. And the reason they're useful in a six X is because they're still material. So, it's giving the body a little bit of that crude material, but in a way that has been potentized. So, again, there's not going to be toxic side effects. Um, You know, people can get side effects from taking things like iron pills, Um, but with taking... especially
0: with people who would have low iron Mm -hmm. and are worried that they take something that would maybe constipate them. Exactly. Uh Aha.
2: And so, the cell salts can not only give the body the minerals it needs, it can also help kind of teach the body how to use them. It just stimulates the body to better use these minerals. So, for example, again, Ferrum Fos, um is useful for building up the blood. Um, it's useful when there's inflammation. So, a lot of people take it at the first sign of cold, flu, fever, Really, any sort of acute inflammation or to fight an infection, or, you know, people definitely have been known to take it instead of... Um, you know, iron pills, of course, they're being monitored for their blood levels and all that, but it can be very, very useful to not have to take something that might give you side effects that are undesirable,
0: um, but still be able to help build your blood. Well, in- that's interesting because men and menopausal women, postmenopausal women, because men don't really make iron, don't don't need iron, but women with the menstrual cycle lose blood, lose iron and have a tendency to be low on iron. So to take, so men and postmenopausal women can easily take a Ferrum Fos because it is literally just a, a salt, in this case, Ferrum is iron, going into the cell to nourish the cell from a deficiency. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And I've even heard um, ferum Fos is great for athletes. Um because it it helps build the blood and the oxygen carrying ability of the blood, oh. so people um who are athletes or who i mean I read a story of a a gentleman who was who raced horses and he thought it was great for his horses. so you know, lots of use for um huh. for and you mentioned the horses earlier, and I've certainly used homeopathy on my own animals, so that's yes. I, yes. I'd love to talk about that some other time,
0: yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a call uh, a caller who would like to ask a question or contribute to the program. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the show. What is your name, please, and how can we help you?
4: say hey, uh, guys, I um, I've got an issue with uh, tinnitus, ringing in the ears. Yes. And I believe that it's. I think it's called uh, some or another. There's a a small tube that connects your ears, and I. It's absolutely debilitating, and I've tried over-the-counter, you know, flavonoids and stuff, but I'm fairly certain that if I could relieve the inflammation, I might get some relief, and I was just wondering if your guest there has a suggestion. i seen you were talking about inflammation.
0: Yeah, so you're not talking about the eustachian tube. You're talking about something else in this case. Yeah,
4: that's the tube. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, a very interesting question. I have some thoughts, but go ahead, please. Yeah, Uh,
4: well, as far as homeopathy is concerned, there's... Let me hang up, ma'am, and uh, turn my radio back on so I can hear you better. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you bet. Call us back if you have a follow-up question, okay? Okay. Thank you.
2: Um, yeah, so great question. As far as homeopathy is concerned, there's hundreds of remedies that can treat tinnitus and... Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. As well as, um, just inflammation of the ears, so um, Ferrum Fos is what we were just talking about, and that's more for an acute inflammation. With something chronic like this, it would be really important to have the whole case taken because it's certainly going to be part of the chronic picture. Yeah. Um, there are some other cell salts that can be useful for, you know, when um, things have settled in the ears. For example, Calimura potassium chloride is often used for earaches, but that's when there's more of a... Um, white discharge uh, with the the ear infection or the earache. So it really is dependent on so many things. Um, Well,
0: I want to jump on this for just mm -hmm. a moment, kali mur So when you say kali that is K-A-L-I, which is a a scientific name for potassium. Exactly. So that's why you say potassium chloride. And Mm muriaticum is chloride. Mm -hmm. So potassium chloride, okay. Exactly,
2: yep. Yeah, so that's just one other example of just the cell salt uh, alone, so not even the, the other remedies yeah. that can be useful for, uh, again, treating earaches or um, congestion in the ears. It's, it's a really common one. More so my, my
0: understanding with Dr. Schussler is mm-hmm. that he says when the body is showing symptoms, it can also be because of a deficiency yes. in the cells. So he came up with the, the principle of homeopathy but then focusing on these minerals mm-hmm. in a way that will go easily, they easily get absorbed by the body and actually go to the cells. Mm-hmm. So he said, uh, and there is, a, there, is a, there is a person who's been on my show before, he's like 84 right now, and he wrote a book, and A, a Cure for All Diseases or The End of All Diseases, whatever, and he pretty much says there's only two reasons why we have any disease. Look at any disease. And he said it is either two reasons: it is either a deficiency, or it is a toxicity. Mm-hmm. Deficiency mean means we don't have enough of what we need. Mm-hmm. Toxicity means we have too much of what we don't need. <laughs> yep. And so I can see with the cell salts that they can help you with the deficiency. So in this case, the tinnitus, if you say kali murr, for example, if may not be the remedy for this uh, for a caller. But potassium chloride may be lacking in the cells.
2: Exactly, and they kind of go hand in hand because some of the cell salts are uh, support the um, the process of elimination in the body. Um, so, for example, um, um, calc sulf, so that's calcium sulfuricum. Sulfuricum, yes, yeah. um, is useful for um, helping the body to eliminate. It's known as the purifier, so it can help any with infections or even acne where there's a lot of pus and that's the body trying to get, you know, detoxify through the skin. Yes. So they, they kind of go hand in hand because if you do have some mineral deficiencies then your pathways for elimination and detoxification are going to be compromised.
0: Yes. So. Now, when it comes to ringing in the ears, when I look in the book on uh, Family Guide to Homeopathy, again, and I, I encourage the listener to maybe come in and take a look at that, um, they say, for example, is it a roaring mm-hmm. with deafness? Mm-hmm. Is it a long-standing ringing, but no fertile symptoms? Is it hissing? Uh, is it uh, alternating between hissing and roaring and uh, you know, so do you have a headache with it? whatever? Mm-hmm. They have all these different ways of explaining, mm-hmm. and then they give you remedies. Mm-hmm. What you say a hundred remedies, what are some that you have seen used? I know that one that and that that we use quite a bit is kali iodatum, mm-hmm. so kali uh, potassium iodide, mm-hmm. and that is seems to be good. I think for longstanding ringing with no other symptoms, and so I don't know what the listener exactly had. He says he had um, ringing in the ear, inflammation maybe in the eustachian tube. So then you say, what would be your first suggestion? Uh, go back to the Ferrum fast because it can deal with um, some inflammation as well?
2: Um, yeah, that would be a good place to start because I just pulled up, um, I have one of the repertories on my iPad here.
0: That's fantastic. And so
2: I can see all the, the, the in idiosyncrasies of what, uh, you know, what other things we might be looking for. For example, does the ringing... Is it a pulsating that happens with your heartbeat, or okay, you know, asynchronous to your heartbeat? Um, so it's it's you. We I've never given uh, a remedy based purely on the tinnitus because it's always based on the the
0: constitution the con- of the person.
2: Yep, and the and the constellation of symptoms that that person has. Yes. making sure that tinnitus is covered. Um, but you know, all your big constitutional remedies that you know of, um, calc sulf lycopodium et cetera. mean all of those are going to cover the tinnitus so it would be looking at all the symptoms or if there's anything what we call strange rare and peculiar yes about the tinnitus does it only happen when it's raining out and i bend my head forward okay doesn't sound like that was the case with the caller no but anything if there's a, a strange rare and peculiar symptom or something we might consider a keynote yeah um then Sometimes you can pick a remedy, and you mentioned a remedy.
0: Yeah, um, iodatum is one that I recall right now. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: So that, that has a particular keynote that can sometimes allow you to pick a remedy based on that one symptom if it's just kind of odd enough, strange enough. Yeah. Um, but if it's a more generic t- tinnitus especially or very standing, and you're not really sure what caused it, um, that's when it's important to do the whole constitution
0: Okay, mm-hmm. okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that with this specific, um, yeah, I, I would start somewhere, and I uh, it would be interesting for the caller to sometimes come to Gesundheit Nutrition Center and just look at the book and then look at these remedies and then say, oh, I have these symptoms for my, yeah, my head hurts or, yeah, my lower back is also really sore. You find out that these remedies overlap. No, not overlap. These remedies actually help other parts of the body as well. And then all of a sudden, it becomes much more specific and say, wow, there are so many things that this remedy touches upon. This may be a good choice for me to get started on.
2: Mm Yeah, exactly.
0: wow. Yeah, I am uh, really sorry, caller. Uh, that is very, very frustrating, have ringing in the ears. And uh, actually, I think uh, my daughter has ringing in the ears as well. Mm-hmm. Rebecca was saying that she, and I didn't even know that. Maybe she said it and I didn't know. Um, but that is very frustrating. It to, is. it's yeah.
2: common, it's really common.
0: It is common. Mm-hmm. It's not just from rock and roll music. No. <laughs> <laughs> there could be all kinds of reasons. Well, anyway, we are going to take another final break, actually, with Jenna Dodge on Gesundheit with Jacobus. Please uh, stay tuned because we have another half hour left. Uh, Great information coming your way. We'll be right back. We need to talk about, we are talking about the salts. We were talking about the issue of ringing in the ears and the fact that, yes, homeopathy can do something for it, But we just need to find the right remedy or the right cell salts, which are made by this homeopathic Dr. Schussler, who uh, who says many cells are simply deficient in their minerals, their salts. Once we add these salts back into the body, you will see a relief of the symptoms. So that's fascinating. But uh, uh, I, I, I know there are remedies, there are supplements out for ringing in the ears, and Sadly enough, there are combinations of different homeopathic remedies, and then it says use for at least six months in order to start seeing results. And people go, "Well, thirty bucks a pop—that is one hundred and eighty dollars that I have to spend in six months, and I'm not going to find any relief." Um, I, I, I realize, as you you and I were talking during the break, you said too, you have people come to you who have tried everything else mm-hmm. and no results, and then they come to you and expect literally overnight success. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not fair, because the the intake has to be correct. And uh, we can talk about it, but we have a caller who would like to chime in. Okay. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the show. What is your name? Please, how can we help you?
3: Yeah, this is Ed. Hey, Ed. And uh, I'm sorry I haven't heard your whole show here. It sounds great. Uh, we love homeopathy. I mean, it's been terrific, especially with our kids and our grandkids.
0: Yeah, thanks. So it's wonderful
3: stuff. One of the things I was wondering about is, is something called radiation hormesis. It's not part of regular homeopathy, but it is pretty interesting that low levels of radiation stimulate your body repair mechanisms, and it's beneficial, apparently, for lots of different things, That I wonder if Jenna
0: has Hey, Ed, you are saying radiation hormesis? Hormesis. 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 Hormesis
3: is a general term for giving a stress that uh, at low levels that the body can then react to. And, and and you know do positive things. And so hormesis also covers all of the homeopathy. Really, but okay. it's not usually said that way. Oh. And I just wonder if Jen has looked into this at all or knows anything about radiation hormesis. Huh. Wow. Mm.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I haven't. Mm. I don't know anything about about that yeah. specifically. Um, uh, yeah. and my focus is on homeopathic remedies that have yeah. been sure proven sure.
3: Yeah. But we do. Some people, Mm, for example, that have, uh, uh, various kinds of pain and arthritis and things benefit from going down an old, you know, uranium mine. Yes. Where there's Mm -hmm. quite a bit of radiation.
0: Yeah. Radon, radon radon mines. Yeah. Well, there's radon. Yeah. And, uh,
3: yeah, there's radon in the air in those mines. And many people find uh, benefit from that yes and uh so you know i don't really know much about it but it's always i've found it kind of fascinating so it's it's kind of uh, kind of related to homeopathy but it's not Mm -hmm. uh, anything to do with normal practice Mm -hmm.
4: yeah that's,
2: that's interesting especially if you think about the amount of radiation in our environment um that somebody could be you know sick with essentially radiation poisoning and, and in that sense, it would be a more isopathic, um, same isopathic, cure. Isopathic? Yeah.
3: Isopathic was isopathic. So
2: iso, yeah. isopathy is um, same. So it, homeopathy means similar suffering. Isopathy yeah. mean, means same suffering. So an example of something isopathic would be, let's say somebody came to me and they said, I have never been well since I took the birth control pill 20 years ago. Yep. Yeah. Um, using a potentized version of birth control pill, which only a practitioner can get, um, can sometimes unlock the, their healing. Um, uh-huh. Basically, using the same substance that made them ill, but in a potentized uh-huh. form, so they're not getting those yeah. toxic side they're effects. Getting too much. Yeah. yeah so I, I, it's very interesting, and I'm definitely going to look into it um, to learn
3: more. Yeah, Thank a, you. A few pieces of of information, for example, is that people that work in like nuclear power plants or the nuclear navy or something monitor their radiation exposure very closely, you know, with badges and various things. And it turns out that, uh, they have less cancer than the general population by quite a bit. And it seems to be related to these low levels of radiation exposure. So, so the idea is that the radiation does damage your body. It damages patients, but it also stimulates the body to repair them.
0: So, uh, yeah, it is interesting. Know, I, I, I I know Ed. You have told me a long time ago uh, Chernobyl. Obviously, yeah. it was a big disaster. But yeah. instead of expecting in an area that is completely devastated, you have said that the uh, the way the, the modern nature has regrown and the greenery and everything that is over there is fascinating.
3: Yeah, well, I haven't really followed up on the Chernobyl thing. That was something. Quite a while ago, that there was a lot of interest in, but apparently it you know it wasn't as devastating as as uh, some people said. And I, I really don't you know know that much about it anymore. My knowledge of that is pretty uh, pretty outdated. Sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the general radiation hormesis. There's a couple of really good books. I can't remember them right now while I'm actually out driving around. I should be talking on the phone, but you know, I heard your show and I just couldn't resist.
0: Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll look up Radiation Hormesis and uh, see what well, we can find.
3: Well, I, I don't, I, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, one of them is by a health physicist in, out of Oxford, England. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, very good. Another one is more of a popularized. Seemed pretty good, too. So I've read these several years ago, but really haven't followed up on it, but since uh, I thought that,
0: Okay. Well you're breaking yeah. up, Ed, so okay. I'm gonna let you go, yeah, but okay. I appreciate bye, bye, the input. Bye. Okay, bye bye.
3: Yeah, keep up the good work.
0: Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ed. You just you just mentioned to Ed and everybody that there are certain remedies that you as a practitioner can get. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier that there's more than twelve hundred different individual sources, resources sources to be found from which homeopathy has been made. You said there's even more than that, but it just gives us an idea how vast this industry is. However, there are certain things that I cannot sell in a store that people really need to talk to a homeopath about. Number one, why is that? Number two, um, is it indeed, uh, number two, is that going to change or not? doesn't matter to me because there's a lot that we can do uh, with what we have. Uh, but there are some remedies that are really specific. Can you mention some?
2: Yeah. So um, number one, well, let me just tell you what they are, and then that might that might explain and make it obvious why. Sure. Um, but a few classes of remedies. One of them is the drug remedies made out of uh, recreational or um, you know opioid drugs. So opium, the cannabis, two different varieties of cannabis, morphine. Etc. Those can all be made into into drug remedies um, that are remedies that we prescribe in the, just like we prescribe any other remedy. Um, there's also remedies made out of allopathic drugs, or um, yeah, basically allopathic drugs that also you can only get through a practitioner, and you would only want to use them through a practitioner.
0: Uh huh.
2: Same with remedies made out of healthy organ tissues those are
0: called sarcodes yeah they were you know that uh back in the 90s there was a homeopathic company called Dolisos, mm-hmm. which eventually got bought out by uh boyron mm-hmm. and then they discontinued all the sarcodes mm-hmm. which was fascinating we mm-hmm. had eyeball and we had mm-hmm. um um thyroid Mm -hmm. and adrenal and testicle and ovary Mm -hmm. and in different dilutions was fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I understood that you cannot get those anymore because of let's say mad cow disease or something. Mm -hmm. They said, well, it comes from Europe. And so their testing is not as good as we do over here. And that's why they discontinued it. And literally from one day to the next, it was all over.
2: Mm, Yeah.
0: Mm.
3: Um,
2: yeah, they're still available, but again, only through a practitioner, a practitioner. and maybe not all of them. Um, and then another class of remedies called the nosodes, which are made from uh, disease products. Um, and those are very extremely powerful remedies and very, very useful, but only available, again, through a practitioner um, because they tend to be even deeper acting than a lot of our other remedies. Uh, I mentioned earlier the mineral remedies are more useful for constitutional care. Okay. Um, they are deeper acting. If you think about a mineral, it's more sturdy and structured than a plant. So the plants, and this is a, a broad generalization. This is not 100% true across the board. But in general, the plants are useful for more acute remedies. Huh. And sometimes they're used in the same way that the herbal would be used, like the herbal dose, the the material dose that an herbalist might prescribe. Sometimes they're actually used in the complete opposite way, and that's because sometimes herbal medicine is prescribed antipathically, (laughs) and sometimes homeopathically, um, even though they don't use those terms. Um, So no-sodes are even deeper acting um, than, than a mineral remedy, and it's just really important to know what you're doing uh, with with those deep acting remedies. So that's that's why. And also, I mean, the FDA doesn't want drug remedies being sold, even though they're non material. But Correct. the drugs are a controlled substance. Yes. So it's it's really a lack of understanding is what it comes down to. Um, that you know you couldn't take a whole vial of opium and get high <laughs> at exactly. all. Exactly.
0: No, it's not. What but
2: it's- it is what it is. There's still a controlled substance. And I
0: think that it is opium in this case is really good for depression. Depression, depressed people, I thought, is what I read in the Materia Medica.
2: Yeah, it definitely
0: could be. Bipolar disorder and uh, schizophrenia. And uh, so that will be great, but you can only get it from, from you, mm-hmm. uh, from a practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, what is interesting is that you mentioned minerals are m- deeper, more constitutional. Mm-hmm. A mineral has really developed over millions of years, mm-hmm. where a plant, maybe 2,000 years or so, uh, the ones that are used, maybe 5,000, like ginkgo biloba or so, but that that would be one explanation why it is more on the surface, so mm-hmm. to say, surface of uh, uh, certain milder diseases and stuff. Okay, and the no is interesting, deeper acting than the minerals. Mm-hmm. Huh. You would say then diseases have been around longer than minerals, okay? And then the sar codes are specific. Do you uh, how often do you think about sar codes to use those in your in your practice?
2: I don't use them a lot. Um I find that the quote unquote regular remedies uh, and no do plenty most of the time. so um, they're not used a lot. Uh, a lot of you will see some homeopaths. So if you're browsing around on the internet, there are definitely homeopaths that specialize in using them. And that type of approach is really more of a allopathic approach. And they're often using protocols. An example would be if somebody has a thyroid issue, they might give the thyroid sarcode um, or pituitary psycho- sarcode, something yeah. like that. That's more of a protocol. It's not necessarily individualized. Mm. Um, Homeopathy is wonderful for treating thyroid, you know, symptoms of thyroid issues, hyper or hypo. Really? um, Without needing to use SAR codes. So, in my mind, you know, I I stick to the principles of classical Hanumanian homeopathy. Okay. One remedy prescribed for based on the totality of symptoms available that I can see that need to be cured, one remedy at a time, given in the minimum dose. So less is more with homeopathy. We don't just throw multiple remedies in at a, a person or a disease in lots of different potencies. Um, that can sometimes be counterproductive, especially when we're talking chronic.
0: 522-8255, 522-TALK is the number. Uh, We may just have time for one more call at this point, unless there's a few of you who really want to call. We have about six minutes, seven minutes left. Um, Well, See, you bring up a whole new thing. We're we're talking about homeopathy, and then there's the classic homeopathy. That is the way to use it. There are also combination remedies. Mm -hmm. And and you mentioned to me that that's usually not something you work with because – uh, one, maybe two of these combination remedies may be specific for you, but the rest is really not, has nothing to do with you. Not that it caused any danger, but why go that route? Mm-hmm. You rather would deal with one remedy that covers everything and starts working on you. Mm-hmm. So classical myopathy, now you mentioned the cell salts, mm-hmm. uh, lower potency, mm-hmm. six X's, and good for deficiencies in the cells. Drug remedies like opioids, heroin, cocaine, um, we have different- Peyote. Say it again? I said peyote. Peyote. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yes. That's one of them. <laughs> That's another one. Yes. Yeah. And uh, cannabis. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sarcodes are your glandulous and no-sodes are made from an actual disease. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned thyroid. If you take an autoimmune disease- is there actually an, an, a remedy that is made from the immune system? An immune, Can it be made from an immune system? Or how would you go about an autoimmune disease?
2: Yeah, autoimmune disease is a huge portion of practice. Okay.
0: Um, huge, huge, huge.
2: And homeopathy, we, we approach it like every other case, um, looking at the totality of symptoms that the person is expressing, looking at what's characteristic to the individual, and prescribing based on that. And a lot of times we don't need any, we don't even have to use any of these other quote-unquote weird, you know, different remedies, sarcodes, no-sodes. I mean, no sods are commonly used um, if it fits the case. But a lot of times it's going to be, a, you know, your regular, your sepia, your um, calc carb, your whatever remedy fits the case. Um, it's individual to the person. And As a a homeopath, homeopaths now have a large portion of their practices are treating people with autoimmune disorders because they're so, so common. Wow,
0: wow, Mm -hmm. wow. Good morning, caller. Your name, please. How can we help you? This is Jerry. Hey, Jerry.
1: Um, I've used homeopathic remedies for years, probably 20 years. And um, I would recommend that the person, especially that has the tinnitus or People that have other conditions, yeah. go to the homeopath and let her pinpoint what remedies you need. She will ask you questions that may not seem related to you mm-hmm. um, you know in your mind, but she's trying to pinpoint what um you need um, and I've seen you know wonderful, miraculous things happen with it. Mm-hmm. So um, it's um, not covering up symptoms. It's working on treating the problem.
0: And and more, mm-hmm. right? Don't you think so, Jerry?
1: Well, and it treats, treats you know, like they have constitutional remedies and stuff like that too that help to um, tune your body and make it so it can heal.
0: Yes. Yeah, totally true. Because I, I, I have often said that a symptom is just one avenue that our body and mind use in order to get our attention right so if you have something like that is happening and you've already been going to doctors and say well no it's not water in your ear uh, no the little rocks are in place and uh, no there is no wax in your ear uh, and your membranes are fine, then uh, we don't know why you have tinnitus, but why don't we just give you something? So there is usually the body has used the ringing in the ears to, to get your attention, you know, to pull your ear to say, hey, there is a problem that we need to address.
1: Well, and it may be a side effect from some other medicine or whatever, or from a fall, or. Yeah.
0: yeah um, yeah, there's, yeah.
1: You know, everybody is different. Yeah. That's why it's important to go to the homeopath and have them tell you, you know, do a do an evaluation on you and stuff so they know what you're dealing with because we're all individuals.
0: Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah.
0: I, I Good t- call, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: I totally agree. And, and even as far as causation, um, one thing that we know as homeopaths is that suppression of any kind, whether it's from a medication or so just suppressing your emotions, can bring about other symptoms, often in the form of a rash on your face,
1: <laughs> something yes. that's
2: like going to get your attention I see. to make uh-huh. you go and see the homeopath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go see the dermatologist instead, and obviously dermatologists are great and they definitely have their place, but let's say you use a cream to further suppress it. Something else is going to pop up because the, your body really, really wants to get your attention. And it yes. says, Hey, Stop suppressing that anger or that grief or whatever the emotion was. Mm -hmm. Just one example. Yeah. Stop suppressing it. You have to get to the root of the problem. So it doesn't even always have to be an accident or a medication or something. I mean, a lot of times it's emotional. And that's really where homeopathy shines. Mm. Uh, And one thing that really sets it apart from other modalities is we really care about the, the causation, and sometimes the person doesn't even put two and two together yes. until they talk to me, and a lot of times they say, wow, first of all, this felt like counseling, except yes. for I don't have to tell them anything, which is great, yeah and secondly, um, I never realized that. I just had this realization of this is what's happening in my body, and uh-huh. that's that's awesome. I love yeah. hearing that.
0: Well, thank you. And we've come to the end of the uh, show. <laughs> it's uh, we didn't get to the agenda. No. <laughs> again, but talking about the history of homeopathy, explaining a little bit more about different homeopaths and Samuel Hahnemann's work starting up this and et cetera. then the different remedies, how to make it, how to make a plant remedy, a mineral remedy, uh, how the succussion and dilution works, and uh, the uh, explaining the strength of remedies has been great, and then what kind of remedies can be used. So I want to thank you very much for being here today, and I wish you all the best with your exam uh, in uh, in a month uh jenna is the website Uh, make sure you check it out for yourself and then you and i will all be talking again next week